0: Flushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online
1: and on DAB. Get an earful of unusual nocturnal emissions with radio's Lord of Misrule. Ian Lee. No relation, thank God.
2: Unfiltered Night Talk with the original king of unconventional conversation.
1: The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
2: Yo yo yo! Good evening, dear listener. The late night alternative with me, Ian Lee. Catherine, are you there? Word. <laughs> Is that it? I think that here's the thing, guys. Let's let's let's, let's get. I got some cards and I'm going to put them on the table. Here we go. Um, I couldn't be bothered to come into. Uh, I didn't feel well enough to drive into work today, so I am doing the show from my house. And we have spent the last 90 minutes. Catherine, myself, uh, Sam, and some woman called Sal. Oh, no, I don't even know who it's she a is. a
0: man called Sal.
2: What a world we live in. Uh, so a trans uh, called Sal. <laughs> and We are, have spent the last 90 minutes... How, uh, how, how, what man called Sal? You say that as though I know who that you is. You do know
0: him. Nice guy from upstairs. Talk sport. What, like an intelligent one? You remember him? He, he's there's, read a book. There's
2: no nice guys. Mm-hmm. There's no nice guys from uh, talk Sport. They're all scum, <laughs> and uh, criminals. Uh, some of them of a very rude nature. Anyway, so uh, we spent the last ninety minutes on this flipping national radio station. National, uh, in inverted commas, as is radio. <laughs> Um, trying to set up a system that I thought we had in place <laughs> that meant it would turn my computer into a studio and we would just be able to broadcast from it. And, and we know that that technology exists because we've used it before. And so we're doing this. And then it turns out, oh, yeah, we, that doesn't work anymore. Why is that?
0: Because we moved out.
2: Right. Here's the thing, Catherine. There is a half a second delay on the line. So you, when I stop talking, you've got to talk for a little bit longer than that to make it worthwhile. Because we moved so house to somewhere posher.
0: See, that doesn't work either.
2: No, it does work. I can it's, hear you I, gulping. I, I, I what are just... you drinking? I'm drinking a nice cup of uh, 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 red wine. <laughs> I'm drinking a cup of. I'm drinking a, a cup of mead. Uh, I'm drinking my cat's urine. Doesn't matter what I'm drinking. The fact is. Um, this should be uh, a, an excellent system we have in place. It doesn't work. I'm effing and jeffing on WhatsApp to Kath going, I'm not I'm not effing doing it. I'll, I'll drive it. Half past nine, I'm saying I'll drive in for an hour and a half. That was never going to happen. At that point, you're supposed to go, no, don't drive in. That'll be crazy. Well, I knew and you instead, I I knew you, 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 go, you go, yeah, you could do, you could do.
0: <laughs> no, I was saying you up to the thing previously, but you're a very fast typer.
2: I'm a very fast typer when I'm naked. Um, So we're doing the show. I don't know what it sounds like, uh, but I I didn't feel well enough to drive in and, um, you know, I feel I I, I feel well enough to do a show. But the thought of just sitting in a car for an hour and a half, my God, uh, I was feeling nauseous. I slept. I just slept all day and I still feel lousy. Um, If I am dying, which is it is possible, it's been mooted by two doctors that I could be dying if I'm dying. Um then let this um let this show be my epitaph. That's all I can say to that. You've got to pick up the silences, Catherine, otherwise this ain't gonna work.
0: I know, but I, I was just leaving a pregnant pause because that's very sad. And also it's for when we clip it for the film that we do in okay. black and white, once you do pass on.
2: Here's the thing, if if I am dying, right? Um don't let them give me a posthumous award. I don't want one of those I don't want one of those posthumous awards. I don't want you going up on or if you go up on stage, tell them tell everyone to f off. Say <laughs> so f off. This is exactly that and then play this clip. These posthumous awards just cuz someone died. Are a load of rubbish. They don't mean anything. We're all going to die at some point. Give award You're going to give awards to all the corpses. I don't want this stinking award, Radio Academy. I don't want this crappy award, uh, Sony's. You can take it and you can shove it where the sun don't shine.
0: Likewise, those lifetime achievement ones. So they're awards for not dying.
2: And um, I'll take one of those definitely. I'll be. Um, be I'll be up for one of those.
0: You'd be gracious. Mm-hmm.
2: So anyway, so the, the the show is going to be excellent. It still works exactly the same. You call in 0344 499 1000. That's the telephone number. Uh, if you want to give us a call, it's the same thing. Do you remember once, when, was it when we were in New York or when we did the show from someone's house and people um, thought they had to phone a different number? Do you remember that? <laughs>
0: yes. Wasn't that I when think,
2: we were I, at Tony's? <laughs> were like I think Tony's so. People number. didn't phone in. People didn't phone in. And we said, why is no one phoning in? And someone tweeted, we don't know what the number is. It's, it's the same number. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> it's the same flipping number. Wollies. Absolute wallies. Anyway, let's, uh, we've got a guest. Do call in 344 We've got a couple of guests tonight. And I, I have to extend um, my humblest. Apologies because this guy was coming all the way from somewhere else to come into the studio tonight. And um, then uh, then I said, I'm not coming in the studio. And uh, Catherine didn't want to be alone in the studio with him. Um, <laughs> that's so not true. That's what you said to me. Um, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause, a ding of the bell. It's Mark Mason. Is Mark talking because I can't hear him? Counting. Now, Ian... can oh, there get. he is. Can you, it,
1: it, Catherine, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All, I'm going to start counting. One, two, three. So let's work out what the delay is. You join in when you can hear me. Um, and okay. The listener will then know what they is like. Right. Four,
2: four, eight, 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 eight. Eight, eight. right, I think Ian's one number behind me. Catherine, how many behind us were you? She hasn't even started counting. She's do, not even heard the numbers yet. Do it again. <laughs> do it again.
0: One,
1: one, two. two. Three, Three, four, four five, five, six, six seven, seven, eight. eight. Oh, no. Stop tricking me. Of those, this is one of those mind logic
2: experiments
1: where I don't know if I'm, the, the radio and the telephone are given us two different things, so the listeners are probably hearing a different reality from what we're hearing.
2: Welcome to a uh, brand new show on Talk Radio. It's counting. <laughs> and the uh, first guest this week is I Mark Mason. Is, I, love, I love the thought, Ian.
1: Now, Catherine, I strongly suspect, Ian, from where you are, you will not be able to see the skyscrapers of the City of London.
2: I cannot, no. No, no,
1: right. Now, Catherine, I haven't been to the new studios yet. Although I've been into the building, I haven't actually been to the studios. Can you... Have you got an external window? Can you... I probably haven't.
0: haven't. No, the blind's down. Uh, But I've got Uh, some nice pictures of skyscrapers. Why?
1: Well, because I'm sitting in a quiet courtyard just east, about five minutes' walk east of Liverpool Street Station. And the, the way the courtyard's laid out, there's a sort of one, two, three, 5 two, five-storey building opposite me. But at the top of that, I can see the top three stories of the gherkin. So if you could oh. see the gherkin at the same time, we would be looking at the same thing, even though we can't see each other in person.
2: I love the thought that I that's don't... the way that we could establish They've them. They've
0: opened the blind. Let me have a look.
2: Right, the gherkin. No. She, this She doesn't know what the gherkin looks like. <laughs> I'll tell you what I can see. I can see a signed print by Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a picture by my uh, friend Dan, Dan Rayner, and I can see a picture of my two boys hugging at the bowling. That's 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 my view at the moment. So I think oh. that I'm winning. I'm I'm um I'm steaming through break. Have you read? Are you a fan of Vonnegut, Mark? Um, I'm sort
1: of not really. No, I'm afraid not. But I do happen to know he owned the first Saab dealership in the USA
2: before uh, he became I a think writer. I know that, but yeah. I, 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 I love I love I haven't read in and I'm reading Breakfast of Champions again. My, uh, what a
1: what that a book. that always what a, reminds me. That always reminds me of um uh, of, of Christopher Hitchens, who was once asked about his favourite whiskey, and he said it has to be Johnny Walker Black Label, the breakfast Breakfast of Champions.
2: There we go. You see. Can you I see? ask you a question about a book of yours, Mark, that I didn't know existed? But I've just got your um, I've got your Amazon page up in front of me.
1: Now, there might be, I think there's a couple that link to someone else that
2: isn't me, but go on, try me. You, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't You didn't write a book called What Men Think About Sex, did you? Uh, guilty as charged, I'm afraid, Ian. that was... I thought that long, was...
1: long, long dissertation, I tell you you
2: fiction rather than non-fiction. That was my
1: first novel. I tell you,
2: I t- it's, I, right, exactly, because I'm going to read the description, Catherine. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll introduce Mark properly in a second. He's been on the show before, but knowing Mark's previous work... Because I thought, oh, maybe there's another Mark Mason. Then I read the description, right? Listen to this. Tim and Rob are, two, uh, Tim and Rob are 20-something men who both fall madly in lust with an American woman who has, has come to work in their office, the fabulously sexy Claire Jordan. In a drunken moment, they devise an audacious race, the Claire Jordan five and three-quarter feet handicap stakes. <laughs> the victor and this is where it turns into pure mason territory the victor (laughs) wins the right to invite her out on a date tim's challenge is to sleep with five different women whose name begins with the initials c l a r and e rob has to sleep with one or more women in five different places beginning with the same initials eg cinema lay by (laughs) i can never say this word aboritham thank you very much I can, say, I can never say that An i can also never i can never read the word and i have to build myself up to say it i can say it when i'm not reading it i can never read the word analyst i, I just can't read it
1: it's statistics with me i have to oh my god i said it i normally have to say it and then have a second step. i actually got it first time that's the first time i've ever said that word and i'm not going to be saying it again now that's the first time I've ever but, said that word first time, if you see what I mean. I see
2: what I us Let's go, let's go, because you've been on the show a few times. So let's just name a couple of the books. Um, you're not on to talk about a book this time, but let's just name a couple of the books that some of the listeners will probably have read. Um, I'm going to throw you the titles. You give me a little bit of background on them to jog the listeners' memories. By the way, all of these books I've read, they are fantastic and they are still available. Uh, Male Obsession, what was that?
1: That was one fact per postcode area of the UK. Now, these are all travel, but I tend to I do travel books mainly. And so that one's going around Britain, and there are 124 postcode areas. And I love the fact that we're in three different postcode areas now. I am in EC, East Central. Yep. Catherine is in SE, because she's just over the river on I me. Mean, and you are in whichever postcode you come. I forget where you come under, Ian. What's, what's your postcode area?
2: I'm in, I'm in HP.
1: HP for Hemel Hempstead, yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I can't remember the fact for that but yeah, so it was it's travel, but going around the country I didn't actually visit all 124, but I went to lots of them and it's one fact per postcode area, like the SE fact, uh, to give the fact that of the area that Catherine's in um, is that uh, another building in that postcode area is Waterloo Station, and it was the fact that Winston Churchill said that if Charles de Gaulle outlived him and therefore was at his funeral which is what happened, uh the train carrying churchill's body from london up to oxfordshire where he's going to be buried had to leave from waterloo station which is very inconvenient but churchill insisted that it happened purely so that de gaulle would have to go and stand in front of a building with waterloo written (laughs) in it carved into it on six high letters so yes
2: that's that one next book okay the book that i think uh introduced us to each other but then i think i get it wrong every time uh walk the lines (laughs) the london underground overground
1: you do. Now, you know what? I've, 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 we've had this a few times. And I have now completely... I'm 50-50 as to whether you're right or I'm right. I do. My memory is that we first spoke on a BBC station about yep. my book, Move Along, Please, which was Land's End to John O'Groats by Local Bus. But mm. it could have been... And then my memory is then that we spoke later about Walk the Line. But either
2: way, I've told maybe, you what Move Along, Please. It's the wait, the maybe it's the, is the Mandela effect. Which is what? Explain. You don't know the Mandela effect. Oh, Catherine, oh. tell him the Mandela effect.
0: Right. If I remember rightly, well, that's the point of it, isn't it? Um, it's a mass uh, false memory.
2: Okay. And what? Is, and the Mandela being so
0: people thinking Mandela had already died when he hadn't. Oh, so okay. loads of people
2: yeah. think, loads of people remember the news broadcast where it was announced that Nelson Mandela had died but obviously yeah. he hadn't died yeah. and then people put it into like lines from Star Wars that everyone remembers and all this and the, the one of the many theory, my theory is that people just misremembered stuff but one of the, the more confabulation,
1: exc- the medical term is confabulation it's where your brain supplies, now we've all got times where we can't remember whether someone had an orange jumper or a blue jumper or whatever it was but there are times when your brain supplies a false memory and you're convinced that it was orange when it's, and then that's gonna only be exacerbated where two or, two or more people get together, where they've got the yeah. same false memories. As you say, it was Mandela. David Hetworth, the brilliant music journalist, has got a story about that. Is that David Hetworth was the journalist who was interviewing Bob Geldof at Live Aid when Geldof said the famous line about giving the money and F the phone number, um, give us your effing money. And yeah. I forget which way around it is, but Hepworth says, everyone remembers, let's say, uh, that Geldof said, give us the effing money. He didn't. What Hepworth says, he says, and when you watch the footage, you'll see Hepworth is absolutely right. Of course he would be. He was the guy who was sitting there next to him. Um, yeah. Geldof actually said, "F the phone number, just give us your money. So they've, people have absolutely, and it's, every week, D- David Hepworth gets people coming up to him going, he said, give us the effing money. And Hepworth says, I'm afraid he didn't. It's, ma- it's mass false remember. memory. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the Mandela. Anyway, um, our Mandela, effect, to which we, we spoke first about. But uh, move along, please. Land's End to John O'Groats by local bus. I got the bus from Land's End to Penzance, Penzance to, I, I think, Truro. Uh, then all, it was 46 buses did the length of Britain. Um, but Walk the Lines was my London book, which was um, walking the whole tube system over ground. And just relating what I saw and what I heard, and little bits of trivia about London and all the brilliant conversations you overhear, and you know it was it was a way of it was my device for capturing London to use a very pretentious phrase uh,
2: they, they are all excellent books. I thoroughly recommend all of them we 're going to tweet links in a, in a second we 're going to go to a break in a second as well. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. Mark, stay there because we 're going to find out exactly what it is you're doing this weekend that sounds uh, uh-huh. it, it sounds thrilling. And uh, <laughs> if uh, I wasn't um, well, if I well, I've, I've got gut rot, but I'm also doing something Sunday evening, which means I'm resting in the day. I'll tell you what that is after this, Sam.
1: The radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you
2: or have you ever watched Twin Peaks?
1: The late night alternative with Ian Lee. We could be dreaming and meeting each other in our dreams on Talk Radio.
2: Evening, dear listener, Ian Lee, Catherine Boyle, Late Night Alternative 0344 499 is the telephone number if uh, you want to give us a call. We've got Mark Mason on the line. Now, Mark, here's the reason why um, I can't come Sundays. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling great, so I'm trying to limit what I'm doing, and I'm doing something Sunday night. Sunday night, I am going for the first time ever, despite the fact that that um, Giles Martin once invited me in and then stopped ignoring all of my messages. I'm going into Abbey Road Studios for the first time ever to see, a. I think they're Dutch, maybe they're German, I think they're Dutch Beatles tribute band play (laughs) the entire Abbey
1: Road. You lucky, lucky boy. That is, I've I've, I've been outside. Um, Do you know what? There are, I've been outside, I've walked... Right, because Lords is near there and various... Of course, I've been to have a look at it anyway, the outside of Abbey Road. Um, There are two blue blue plaques. I don't think think they're official blue ones, but there are two round plaques outside the front door of Abbey Road, neither of them to the Beatles. Oh, go on, who for? I I sometimes use this as um, a quick question. One of them is to a guy called Alan, and I'm ashamed to say I've forgotten his surname, but he was a pioneer of stereo recording. Um, and he worked, for, he worked for EMI, which is, and he did, you know, obviously lots of stereo stuff that was done for EMI there. But this is back in the 30s. And go on YouTube and you can have a look. He recorded using stereo, the first ever stereo mics. The EMI offices out in Middlesex overlooked the back of a train station. And he recorded some film of um, a train going from left to right across the tracks. And the sound, and if you listen on headphones on YouTube, you'll be able to hear the sound follows the train, going from right to left or left to right, whichever way it is. Um, So one of them is to him. Alan, oh, it's going to annoy me now. I'm sure, Alan Blumline, I think it might be. B-L-U-M-L-E-I-N. The other one is the quiz question I sometimes use, um, is is a plaque to the English composer and conductor who uh, opened the studios back in the 20s or 30s, I think, um, by... um, by, comp- by conducting a recording of some of his work, famous English composer. Which one would you go for? Andre call? Previn. Andre Previn. <laughs> a few years too early.
2: Uh, it was Elgar. Okay. Edward Elgar. Catherine was going to say, wasn't it? Catherine. I was going to say, say it.
1: Bad it, quiz host.
2: Bad quiz host. With these delays, you've got to jump in. <laughs>
1: Now, now so you've never been in Abbey Road? We could see from her laugh, hear from her laugh, how much the delay was because it was about a second. I'm used to people not laughing at all at what I say, but a, a delay of a second was really weird. <laughs> anyway,
2: Have you, um, So you've never been in Abbey Road? I've never been in. I say Giles My, Martin was flirting with me once, and he, he invited me in, and then that never happened. The scumbag. Um, and I, you know, I, and I've seen, I've seen video. I think this this Beatles tribute band. I think they're called the Analogs. And uh, it, it, it's all very weird. I, I was doing this weird. Just talk about me for a second, Mark, and then we'll let you plug your thing. <laughs> I was doing this weird event, an e- hosting an evening with Kelsey Grammer, right? And it was it was yeah, wonderful. Sure. Got to hang out that with Kelsey sure. Grammer. Yeah. Got to do a forty-five minute interview. Forty-five minutes. He sang Q&A. you happy birthday, didn't he? He's Frasier sang happy birthday to me and, and he defended um, Harvey Weinstein so um, not at the same time that would have been weird but it was weird enough as it was <laughs> anyway so the day after that I phoned up the guy that got me the gig um, this, this kind of producer a guy called Rocco and just to you know I said just to phone up and say hey man I really enjoyed that I would be up for doing more of those things because he does a lot of these things with like um, Schwarzenegger and Pacino and stuff like that and he said ah, oh, Ian I've got a guy here with me um, who's big on the Beatles, let me put you on to him. And he put this guy on, I think his name is Judd Landers, right? And uh, he said, Ian, are you a fan of the Beatles? And I went, yeah, they're okay. And he said, oh, I used to, um, I used to live with Neil Aspinall in about 68, wow. 69. I said, whoa. And I went, right, first question, did you ever meet Magic Alex? And he said, oh, man. Alex, wow, he was so full of shit, but boy, oh boy, he had some some great drugs. And we were <laughs> off. Anyway, he's, he's he's kind of producing this evening with this Dutch Beatles tribute band. And he said, do you fancy coming along? Oh, yes, please. I'm going to be there uh, and uh, lapping it up.
1: That is fantastic. I'm very, very jealous. I'm going to um, come around and inflict physical violence on you. I'm so jealous that you're going to see this. Beautiful. Uh, do you know the, uh, the other thing on YouTube you should look for? I'm sure you've seen it. Um, the guy, I forget who it was, some American musician playing with his band he 's quite good, but he 's not famous, playing with his band, and he knew Giles martin and giles martin hadn 't toyed with his affections. Giles Martin had followed through and had let him right. go into the oh, road and um, and Giles martin said to him look we 've got everything here we 've got all the recordings of all the songs, and we can we can strip down whichever track you want, whichever instrument, from whichever song. What do you want to listen to?" and he it's got to be the opening chord from hard days night and they went they went through it have you seen this clip
2: i've seen the clip
1: yeah they went through it um instrument by instrument and worked out because the the people themselves of course could never remember they just the three of them had you know obviously didn't matter what ringo was playing because he but the 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 three musical the two guitars and the bass
2: um and they're all playing different chords aren't they well, they're playing
1: the same. It's all the same chord, but it's um, but different variations of it. Different voice. yeah, different voicings of which, and of course, one. I think one of them's a twelve-string guitar, and so that gives you some more notes in there as well, or some more, you know, tones or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they managed to recreate it, and when they play it, it's just. I can't,
2: I can't think who that is, because um, I've seen that video and it's a cracking video. Um, he's some American. I, I don't think he's particularly famous. I think that's what he's become famous for. He's been the guy who worked no, I out what the is. opening. course. is I it? think he is famous. He's not. Um, he's not one of the Eagles. He's someone. He's someone. What's your Paul McCartney story? And you're going to hear me tip tapping ah. away while I, while I'm googling it. This is, oh,
1: this is almost as though we planned it. As ever. It's a nightmare trying to plan it. If, if we did try to plan it, Ian,
2: the way we could, with our tangents that we just go off
1: on it wouldn't bloody work. But it sounds like we've, we've actually planned this, so well done, mate, for bringing me round to Macca.
2: And it ties in... It's, uh, it's Randy Bachman, by the way.
1: Ah, there we go. That's it.
2: It's Randy Bachman ah. from Bachman Turner Overdrive. You ain't seen nothing yet. Um, Tell me about The
1: it. Macca and the Macca thing ties in with the warble Lines Line. Because we mentioned before the ads my book walk the lines which was uh, a travel book about london going around walking the whole tube system over ground and for years people like my brother once um had said to me walking around london he's never lived in london i was living in london at the time and i was just showing pointing out things to him bits of trivia about places we passed said you should be doing walking tours you should be doing guided tours where you take people around and give them all the trivia and um I sort of quite like the idea of it, you know, the sort of tart in you. Apart from anything else, the writer that sits at home staring at a computer screen all day likes the idea of getting out of the house. And uh, the sort of media tart that likes showing off a bit likes the idea of doing talks where you actually get to interact with human beings and give them a bit of knowledge in person rather than on the page. So I'd always looked for an excuse to do it. And when the London book came out, I thought, well, let's do it. So I started doing it just for fun. I put a few dates on the website and people came along and misguided people like yourself in the media plugged it for me and that got me even more people and I do corporate ones now and private walks and doing one in a couple of weeks with a woman who's bought it for her husband's birthday and all that sort of stuff um but and this is where we get to the uh what's happening on sunday sunday 2 30 yes. p.m I'm doing my district line walk, which goes from Victoria Station along the route of the district line to Embankment Tube Station. So it goes through Parliament Square. We do all the trivia about Big Ben and how Big Ben nearly fell over when they put the Jubilee Line extension in there. Another, you know, non-tube non trivia as well. Can, um, I just, for...
2: can I just interrupt for a second, Mark? For those listening <clears> going, uh, yeah, right, that sounds great. Here's the thing. Mark, Mark knows his trivia and he knows his facts, but he knows the dull stuff as well but he knows the you know the really no you do you know the really really interesting stuff that hardly anybody else knows and you tell it as you're doing your books. You you bring it to life. So it's not just some old guy holding an umbrella up and people following and going. Well, of course, in 1866, you bring this stuff to life, man. So if, if anyone Aww. is considering this, then then go and have some. Go and this is why you're on the show so often because we love you coming and just blowing our minds with stuff every
1: time. Oh, and I love you and your faulty judgment, Ian. Thank you so much for saying that, however. <laughs> it's um, it's. And the checks in the post, as usual. Um, Thank you. That's the only time you ever refer to checks nowadays, isn't it, is when you use that old cliché I had
2: to write a cheque last week!
1: Oh, my God, I still have to write into to my school. My son's primary school hasn't got internet banking yet. But anyway, still.
2: It um, took me three attempts to do it. Anyway, yeah, go! <laughs> the, uh,
1: um, to give an example of the trivia you mentioned, um, on a, yes. one of the other walks, I did the Piccadilly line walk from Green Park up to Covent Garden. And one of the things on that is, as we're going along Piccadilly, for those of you that know your London West End, you'll know the Burlington Arcade. It's a very posh shopping arcade just off Piccadilly. Oh, yeah. um, one of the stops that I do is there. And I was doing this walk uh, a few years ago, about five or six years ago now. And um, I got to Burlington Arcade. It was a beautiful summer's evening. This one's on Sunday afternoon, the, one, the, the District Line one coming up this Sunday. Uh, by the way, if you want the details, my Twitter is at WalkTheLinesLDN. Because my first book that came out when I went on Twitter was Walk the Line, so that's why my Twitter is at Walk the Lines LDN, which will lead you to the website, theimportanceofbeingtrivial.com, and so you can get all the detail. Um, But one of the other ones is the Piccadilly Line one. I was doing it a few years ago on a beautiful summer's evening, and I just got to the bottom of the Burlington Arcade, and I was about to tell them why Paul McCartney is the only person in the world who's allowed to whistle in the Burlington Arcade.
2: Now I know that you're here. We go.
1: Do you, you do you know this Ian or not? Have we ever spoken I don't about this? know.
2: I do not know this. I do not know this. I've been waiting for this. Go on. Well, it's
1: a beautiful little story. The Burlington Arcade, for those of you that don't know, really posh arcade. It's in fact, it's, I think it's two hundred years old this year. I think it was eighteen nineteen. It was opened, and it's always been really posh. So the clothes and jewellery and all the other little trinkets sort of shops in there have always attracted very rich shoppers, which in turn, in the nineteenth century, used to attract pickpockets, and maybe still do. Who knows? But the um, upstairs windows, above all the shops, were occupied by women of a certain profession who were friends with the pickpockets down below. And if the, if the prostitutes up on the first floor saw the Beatles, the private police force that the arcade still has with beautiful uniforms oh. who, who police the, you know, the comings and goings in the arcade, if they saw the Beatles about to approach and nick one of the pickpockets, the prostitute would whistle as a little coded signal to the pickpocket, leg it, and the Beatles are coming. So they, they did what anyone would do in that circumstance. They banned whistling. You are yep. not allowed to whistle in the, in the Burlington Arcade. And that's still oh. the case today, obviously for very different reasons. This is one of those little bits of London trivia and history that people think is a joke. And you'll get Americans who'll turn up and well, read it and they'll whistle, ha-ha, I think they're very clever. The Beatles still come up and enforce it. In the, oh. early, 19, in the early 1980s, a guy was looking in the, one of the windows, looking at whatever was displayed, and was whistling away to himself. So the beadle went up, tapped him on the shoulder, said, I'm very sorry, sir, you're not allowed to whistle in the arcade. As the man turned round, the beadle saw that it was Paul McCartney. So it really was the beadle and the beetle, Haha. <laughs> yeah. ha And he, he backed away, and he said, I'm really sorry, Mr. McCartney. He wasn't Sir Paul then. He said, I'm really sorry, Mr. McCartney. If I'd known it was you, I wouldn't have enforced the ban. I hereby grant you a lifetime exemption from the <laughs> whistling ban. You are the only person in the world allowed to whistle in the bowling. And to this day... McCartney, because, um, you know, his office is in Soho, not that far away. And he's walking around there the whole time. And he goes and he does some of his Christmas shopping there every year. And he's in throughout the year. He always gives a little whistle. And the Beatles lift their top hat to him. And they say, you know, he's the only one allowed to whistle there. And to the extent that when he was first showing Nancy around uh, London, now his third wife, He'd taken her to see Savile Row, where the Beatles used to have the office. And then he'd walk around the corner to the, t- to the top, the north end of the Burlington Arcade. And he was telling her the story about he's the only guy in the world allowed to whistle there. And she refused to believe him. So he went up to one of the Beatles. He said, would you tell her it's true I'm allowed to whistle? She refused to believe him. So anyway, it's a nice little story you do. There's lots of stuff about the Burlington Arcade. But that's one of the things. And I was about to do it. And this night, I've got a group of about 20 people. And two of them were a couple of girls in their 20s. I think they were Dutch, certainly foreign. And uh, they, I was 30 seconds away from starting to tell them about McCartney. I was telling them something else. And they were facing, the group was facing down Piccadilly towards Piccadilly Circus. I was obviously facing them, facing the other way back up. Oh, this
2: isn't going where I think it's going to go, is it?
1: Whoa, just you wait, Ian.
2: Whoa, come on, Mark. as, As I'm about to get to Macca's bit,
1: the two Dutch girls were sort of nudged each other and were looking over my shoulder, looking down towards Piccadilly Circus and just would stop listening to what I was saying and were just looking at whatever was happening beyond me. And within about three or four seconds, the whole group had done the same. I'd completely lost them. So I turned around. Paul McCartney was five yards away, walking up Piccadilly. Come on. With Nancy... And it turned out, I'll tell you exactly when it was, it was 2012 because it was the year of the Queen's Jubilee and there'd been a party at the Royal Academy um, as part of the series of parties to celebrate her Jubilee. Uh, this was the artistic party and at the Royal Academy there were lots of great and good of the arts world there and music and so on. And McCartney had been to that and was walking away from the party with Nancy.
2: You could not did make you not think? Did you not think of going up to him and saying, Paul, this whistling thing, how, how many times have you cashed that cheque? How many times have you been in there and flaunted that rule? Did you not go
1: up to him? <laughs> you know me well enough, Ian, to know that... You, and you know yourself well enough. You would have done exactly the same thing. I very quickly... Because he stopped at the bottom of the arcade because he wanted, it was closing up for the night. I think it was getting to 7 o'clock, when it was, and they were drawing the gates across. And the reason the gates are there is because of a brilliant robbery in 1964. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Yeah. But they were drawing the gates across, and he wanted to cut through to get up to wherever maybe his driver was picking him up, or maybe he was driving, I don't know. Uh, but he wanted to cut through to save walking all the way around and up Bond Street. And um, so I quickly explained to them how incredible this moment was, and this coincidence. And then we said to him, Paul, you're going to give a whistle. But of course, he was, you know, it's picketed. There were loads of people around him by that point, anyway, so he didn't hear us. But I love, it was almost as if that's he incredible. had planned that moment just to give me a little story to tell on the radio to plug my walks. But I promise you it was it, true. And that is the reason. You mentioned my novels earlier. That's the reason, yeah. one of the, that's typical of the reason that I stopped writing fiction. And started writing nonfiction because that sort of thing happens to us all the time you've got incredible coincidence stories like that anyone who's lived it's certainly in london where this sort of thing happens all the time we've all got those stories and then when it happens people say to you knowing that you're a novelist they go you put that in your next novel but of course if you put it in a novel no one would believe it you know yeah. it's true because i'm telling you because it, 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 it happened for real I'm, i write non-fiction if i put that in a novel and then a plot point depended on that happening you'd go that would never happen you know.
2: One of the few people I would go up to and approach. I don't go up to famous people. I, I, I went up to a Beach Boy, Al Jardine. He was rude to me. Uh, if I saw McCartney in the street, I'd go up to him. I'd have to go up to. I'd have to go up to him because I, I, I couldn't let him go past. I've um
1: I've done it. Uh, there's another story I've got about meeting outside Lords as well, but I won't. I've, let's let's not get distracted. That is, um, I tend not to do it. As you say, because you just what can you possibly say to them that they haven't heard? Thanks. I just um, say
2: thanks. That's it. I would just say thanks. If I, if the vibe felt right, I'd ask. You know, I'd even ask him for a selfie. But I would I would sense the vibe. But I just I just want to say thanks. You know, don't Don't want any of that.
1: He is one of the people that he's. You know, his cousin, um, who's Kate, uh, the actor. Kate Robbins famous. been on the show. Yes, yeah, Kate Robbins. Absolutely. Um, she says he always says to her, "Always be polite to the fans because they're the ones who put you where you are." And she said she's yeah. never forgotten that. Um, And you will, once in a while, you will hear a story about Macca snapping with someone, but it's very, very rare. And when you think he's one of the most famous people on the planet, it's just impossible for him to move around. And he gets it all the time, and he deals with it brilliantly. So...
2: Mark, you know, stay he... there. We're going we're gonna to plug the details of your, your, uh, your trip in a second. We need to take a quick right, break. Yeah. 0344 499 You can call in and ask about this kind of stuff. You can call in about the Beatles. Or oh, dear listener, the show is open as per usual. You can call in about absolutely anything. We'll hear more from Catherine in a bit as well. It's slightly tricky with this, this sort of half-second uh, delay to talk over each other, but we will get there. This is the Late Night Alternative on Talk Radio. On DAB Digital Radio, online and on mobile.
1: We are Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio.
2: We'll get you talking. By the way, you should I don't follow anybody on Twitter, but you should all follow Walk the Lines LDM because I'm just scrolling through your Twitter feed and oh. I have found uh, two facts. Here we go. In 1990, this is great, Catherine, listen to this. In 1990, the cash-poor USSR paid Pepsi for their drink with 17 submarines, a cruiser, a frigate and a destroyer. Pepsi sold these for scrap, but were briefly the sixth largest military power in the world. That's incredible, right? That's incredible. I love, and there's this one. What I love about doing it on Twitter is, you know, I,
1: I knew that, so I put that out. And people seem to like that. And then the beauty of Twitter is people come back and tell me things I didn't know, and then I can share them as well. If you look at this, the, the replies to that, one guy came back, he said, at the time it happened, one of the um, chief executive or deputy chief executive or whatever, uh, Pepsi said to someone very high up in the U.S. government, we're disarming the Russians quicker than you are.
2: <laughs> which yes, which I the, I'd never know. But I love that. And, it, uh, it's- and there's another, there's a, a Paul McCartney one. We're obsessed with the Beatles here. Why not? When And I didn't know this. When Paul McCartney played at the last ever concert at Shea Stadium in 2008, this is lovely, he was driven to the stage because it's the stage is like miles out in the miles out. But you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long old trek from the dressing room to the stage. He was driven to the stage by the same man who drove the Beatles to the stage in 1965. That's wonderful. It's
1: a, it's a beautiful bit of video. It's a Billy Joel concert. Billy Joel was the headliner of the, they did last, the last two concerts before they knocked Shea Stadium down. And uh, McCartney only just made it to the stadium in time to come on. And they did, I think, I saw her standing there. Um, but yeah, the, in, in, in 2008, it was a little golf buggy thing that he drives in from backstage around the corridors and out onto the, to the side of the stage. And of course, the famous, I'm trying to, was it a white car? It was a white car in 65, yeah. wasn't it? I think that they were all in. I think so, Beautiful yeah, old yeah. big American, one of those big, Chevys or whatever they were huge big beautiful thing and it was the same guy driving the car and he introduces himself in the little clip backstage in 2008 McCartney gets in about to be driven out and the guy goes uh, lovely to meet you I was the guy that drove you in 65 McCartney shakes his hand and it's just beautiful wow.
2: um, and, here's the thing on, here's the thing try
1: this back go on Try this back in one of my feeble attempts whenever I'm trying to, my publishers tell me off when I come and do your show, and they say, bloody stick to the book and talk about what you're supposed to be blogging, is that you are the titan of the tangent, Ian, and we keep getting sidetracked, and yep. you know stuff. and yep. I'm... Anyway, to tie it back to, to Sunday, the walk, I will be taking the people on the walk on Sunday. That bit of this, the district line, very near St. James's Park Tube, goes past the building in which at least two of the people's Yes, two of the Beatles got married, neither of them Paul, because Paul, two of his weddings have been at Marylebone registry office. But Caxton, yes. Hall, Caxton Hall, which is between St. James's Park Tube and Victoria Tube, uh, was a registry office for a while, and it's where Ringo got married and John got married there as well, I think. And it was um, also a very important political building, and Churchill used to do speeches there. So that ties it back to
2: Sunday. Said he I'm going to take to it away from Sunday again. No, forget that <laughs> because uh, because that car thing is great, <laughs> Catherine. If you want, to, next time I, well, when I'm in next week, Catherine, I've got yeah. to show you the the, the funniest videos. It, I, I guess I don't know if it's still a thing, but in the '80s, when bands played like these big sports arenas there would be a thing where they would that each member of the band would stand on the back of a golf cart usually, or, or, a, like a, you know, an old fifties convertible car and would drive around. And two of the funniest videos I've ever seen, are a with the monkeys being driven just around and around the, the, the stadium to, before they get to the stage. And there's one from the beach boys from about, I guess, 1982, because Dennis is still there. I can't remember what year Dennis died. Was it 81 or 83 anyway? So Dennis, and they're all, you know, heavily into their cocaine and heroin and, booze and they're just being driven around and waving and it's like <laughs> dennis wilson from the beach boys Paul <laughs> wilson from the beach boys mike love and it just and it goes on for ages and it's just the weirdest it's a very very american thing right what's happening sunday then mark sunday oh, i love you you're tearing me up. I'm going to knock <laughs> it back. You've um, got to do the so, business. Yeah, 2.30 p.m. I'm, I'm, right, I'm going to do the actual bloody stuff I'm supposed
1: to do. I'm going to give them the detail. 2.30 p.m. It's yep. the walk starts at uh, outside Victoria Station on, um, uh, opposite the Shakespeare pub. If you come out of the front, the easiest way to describe it is if you come out of the front of, Shakespeare, uh, of um, Victoria Station, there's a pub opposite called the Shakespeare, which is famous because everyone goes in it to use the loose, to, to avoid paying a at 20p at Victoria Station. Opposite that, there is a statue of a guy on horseback called Marshall Foch. He was a French general in the First World War. And there's a beautiful little story about how he ties in with the unknown warrior, which I do at the start of the walk. Um, and so that's where we meet, 2.30 p.m. It's eight quid. I keep meaning to put my prices up because all these walks now are well north of ten quid. And I'm still only charging at eight quid. I should put my prices up. Anyway, so, and if they want the details of exactly where and so there's no need to pre-book, you can turn up. But if you want to email me before to get any details or check anything, it's mark at the com. And as Ian says, the Twitter is at Walk the Lines Ldn. I've just thought of one of my favourite stories from the war. I'm going to show a bit of ankle now and give one of the stories from yeah, um, the on Sunday, which is Of Alley. Are you familiar with Of Alley, near Charing Cross Tube Station, Ian?
2: No, not at all.
1: It's at the back of... Just on the Strand, there's a McDonald's next to Charing Cross. And round the back of it, the little alleyway yeah. that runs down the back, well, it was called Of Alley. Very annoying, and they've renamed it York Place now. But and the sign says... York Place, formerly of Alley. And the reason it's called that is that that land between the Strand and the river there...
2: Was oh, I know, sold I know in, the place. Of course I do, yes.
1: Yeah. Was sold, It's off Villiers Street, which is crucial yeah. to the story as well. Villiers Street is the one that runs from the Strand down with all the restaurants on and and, and you know, coffee shops down to Embankment Tube Station and to the river. And all that land there used to be owned by George Villiers, the Duke of Buckingham. And yeah. it was... Most of it was his massive London house, which they knocked down because he sold the land to the state in 1672 for 30,000 quid which in 1672 was a lot of money. But he wasn't happy with that. He didn't just want the money. He decreed that his name be commemorated in streets that were going to be built on the land. So when they developed it, they built Villiers Street because he was George Villiers, the Duke of Buckingham. There was a Villiers Street, there was a George Street, there was a Duke Street, and there was a Buckingham Street. But even that wasn't enough. He decreed that every part of his name have a street named after it, and he was the Duke of Buckingham. So they had to name an alley of alley. Oh. And, and that's the reason that I was named for that. And, they, they, you know, in, only a few years ago they renamed it. But the sign still said Yorkley, formerly of alley. And that's one of the little stories typical of the deeply intellectual historical trivia that you can get to hear on Sunday.
2: But what happens, right, because you do these tours, I've seen these tours wandering around through through towns and stuff, and Uh. what happens if someone just kind of joins the tour halfway through, you know, sees a group of people, oh, I'll follow this. Do you have to have the embarrassing conversation? I'm really sorry, but this is uh, this is eight pounds. And do you do that?
1: What I do is at the very start of the, of the walk, all the people that have paid, I have an, an agreement with them that if that does happen halfway through the walk, we all surround the man or the woman who's turned, and and and, and with menaces we extract. No, I don't know. It's never. Do you know what? It's never actually. It's it's never actually happened. It'd be interesting to see what the, you get. People popping in, and yeah, I mean, after like the first stop, you do have have someone come along and say, "Can I join now?" And yeah, you know, they're happy to to do that. Um, yeah. But it's you know what it's and it's it's one of those especially with a place like London. Very often I'm learning stuff like you know, you I'll do something on the show and you'll know something about it, especially if it's to do with the Beatles or something. So I'll learn from that. Um, That thing on Twitter with the Pepsi thing the other day, I didn't know the thing about what the executive said to the politician so you learn from that and people constantly on the walk you get some beautiful stories of people turning up who you know either they used to work for the tube or they worked for one of the firms that we went past or they'll know a little bit of history and at its at its its best it's sort of a group thing and you know they will chip in and it's um it's a wonder london's that sort of place where you get the coincidences and you get people knowing very personal perspectives and stories about what happened to them. Um, and one of the other little stories is uh, this was in the news, uh, I think five years ago, something like that. Um, there was someone had told me after the book came out, my London book, Walk the Lines, someone had told me that the only remaining platform where they were playing one of the very early Mind the Gap announcements by an actor called Oswald Lawrence was at Embankment's tube station, and specifically on the northbound platform of the Northern Line. And then a couple... I did that. uh, Someone told me that at a talk that I'd done at the Transport Museum in London. So um, a couple of weeks later, I happened to be on that platform, about to get a tube from there. And I said to the guard, is it true that this is the, the last remaining platform when they're doing this guy's announcement? He said it was true until about six months ago. And then they stopped doing it. And a few weeks after that, they got a letter. From a Mrs. Lawrence, she said, "Dear TFL, I am Oswald Lawrence's widow. He died a few years ago. I don't have any recordings of his voice, none of the films he did, or anything wow. like that. I don't have any recordings. And she said, I used to come and sit on the platform to listen to his voice because it was the only oh, hand of his voice. And they, God bless. I'm not, I get no money from TFL. I'm not. I haven't got any skin in their game. But I think it's beautiful of them. They put it back for us. They put the announcement back." And in the meantime, before they put it back, they, they gave her a CD of her husband saying, Mind the Gap. <laughs> and then they put it- Oh, how wonderful. Still there now. So that's one of the other little stories. And so that's the example of where, you know, that came to me after I'd written the book. Someone who read the book came to me at the talk and said, do you know this?
2: All right. Listen, we have to let you go in a second. I have tweeted uh, the links and all the places to go to at walk the lines. LDN is is the Twitter. If you click on that, it takes you everywhere. I have just tweeted it as well. Uh, We have a question from Peter. This is the, the, the modern world. Someone is listening to us in Australia. Peter says, Ian, can you ask Mark if Walk the Lines is available in audiobook? Is it?
1: Do you know what? It isn't. A few people have said that and it's, they've done other of my books in audio, but for some reason we haven't got around to doing that one. I must have a word with the publishers. Yes, we will get around to doing it. I promise you.
2: Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, Mark, uh, it's always lovely to talk to you. I'm really sorry that we had to change things tonight, but thank you for being so understanding. The next time we'll, we'll sort it out that I haven't got the lurgy um, and, and we'll get you in and um, let us know how it goes on Sunday.
1: So we'll do it. Ian, it's a pleasure. as ever. You get yourself soon. Well, mate, and we'll, uh, we'll speak soon,
2: I'm sure. Thank you very much, Mark Mason. He's good, and he cath- Oh, he's, he's good. I'll so tell you good. why he's good. We haven't got to do anything for an hour. No. He's like Dennis Le Corrier. We just wind <laughs> him up and they go.
1: Moonlit musings for mums, madams. Ooh. and meat packers. Oh, never mind. I must have misheard. The late night alternative with Ian Lee.
2: The station's brilliant.
1: On Talk Radio.